0: Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Silly season is well and truly underway for Atlanta United, and we're going to dig into all the transfer stories and the news and more coming up.
1: A-T-L-A-T-L-A-T-L. Welcome to the show, Five Strike fam. I'm AJ, and this is Tanner McLeod. Before we get into it, become a member of the notification squad by hitting the bell next to the subscribe button or hop over from Facebook and subscribe. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This video is sponsored by Burr, Burr Sushi. Burr, Burr Sushi is a Japanese inspired fast casual eatery that offers ramen, sushi burritos, and poke bowls. Burro delivers cuisine that's ethical, delicious, and fast. Guests can create their own rice balls and sushi burritos through an array of fresh vegetables, marinated meats, and quality sauces. Also now serving a collection of traditional Japanese ramen. So let's get right into the news and the big transfer rumor that came out today. We're filming this on a Wednesday, I believe. It's, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, it's all blending together. Right yeah, here. it's all blending together. But anyway, yeah. Kind of like the transfer rumors. Kind of like the transfer rumors, especially with the Sarah Porteño. But anyway, let's get into that one. Uh, and it is Luca Modric that was apparently interesting, Elena United, not only LA United, but DC United and also Inter Miami. And with that, it is, uh, yeah, interesting because, uh, well, ESPN and Jeffrey Carlisle, they uh, reported that. And, I mean, it's maybe, really, probably unbelievable uh, because he's a 34-year-old uh, midfielder. He's, well, I mean, he's a former Ballon d'Or winner. He's a guy that, yeah, world beater. Really is just, uh, if we got him, it would be incredible. And, I mean, by God, uh you know, our team would be really, I think, uh, you know. Joseph would score a lot more goals. Yes, it would. we be, would be clicking on some cylinders that I don't think we would even believe. But, still, 34 year old midfielder, is he our MO? It just doesn't quite make sense, does it?
0: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It doesn't seem to be kind of in the mold of players that Atlanta United go out to sign. He'd have to be on DP money as of right now without the CBA being agreed upon. It's still only three DP, so you're looking at either a Barco or uh, P.T. Martinez leaving at some point in time. If this was to happen, it wouldn't happen until the summer, but also he is under contract until 2021 in that summer, so I don't see where that goes. It kind of seems, as far as him coming to MLS, to fit more of the MO of a DC United or an Inter-Miami. DC seems to be more of a win now, will take in older players. Inter-Miami just kind of wants some star names to get things going, and I understand that. They've been linked to players like David Silva, who I still think is probably going to turn up in Inter come the summertime. But with, with a guy like Luka Modric, like you said, he's an incredible player. He's won the Ballon d'Or. He's the one that broke the Messi-Ronaldo yeah. monopoly on that award. And people had some issues with it, but still, he had an incredible year. He got to the World Cup final with Croatia. He's a fantastic talent. And like I said, he would find Joseph Martinez with balls that Joseph Martinez didn't even know could be played. Just make a run, he'll find you. But like you said, you know, Uh, It just doesn't seem to fit with Atlanta's MO, and it's unbelievable, I think.
1: Yeah, and then there's also the thing of, uh, well, BN Sports reports that there's a 750 euro release clause. Million euro. Million (laughs) euro, rather, and that's insane. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, so if we were to try to get him before his contract ends in 2021, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's just one of those where uh, he also said, uh, we forgot to say off the top, that it probably is not going to happen in the short term or the midterm. Term as well and so it's, and even it's a then term. it's like
0: yeah would you want a 35 36 year old Luka Modric running around and it's just like if you saw him play this season he's been a bit better but last season it looked like he had no energy obviously he played in the World Cup and that was really draining yeah. but you begin to question if he has the legs to keep running around and you know he, he is a fantastic player but it's kind of seemed like an MLS 2.0 kind of a thing to get someone at that age right. but leave it to DC or, or, or over to Miami he'd be a great addition to the league I think right. for for the year or two that he's here but mm-hmm. I think both of us are kind of pouring cold water on this one for right. Atlanta
1: United, because yeah we've also been showing that we don't need you know international superstars to be brought in for us to really sell tickets for us to uh, be the big brand that Atlanta United is so it really is pretty implausible in a lot of respects Moving on from that, uh, so new reports from let's get into the maze, shall we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Roberta Rojas and uh, Santiago, uh, or not? Sorry, and uh, and Sentimiento Azograna. Sorry, I'm not a native Spanish speaker, so this is a little bit difficult at times. But um, yeah, they've suggested that the revol- the roles were reversed. For Matias Viasanti and Santiago Arzamendia, so it initially seemed like we were going to get Viasanti, the midfielder. It was going to be, yeah, maybe someone that could uh, kind of sit in midfield and kind of offer a little bit of what uh, Nagby could, but uh, maybe you know go forward a little bit. But you know, it seems like now it's going to be the left back or wing back of Arzamendia that is going to be coming Atlanta United's way very interesting because yeah I mean it's just being thrown for a loop kind of the way that they've been uh pairing it together in terms of the transfer fee in terms of seven million uh has been strange to begin with usually you don't do that and so there's also the discovery rights thing with MLS where yeah I mean if we can have the you know the uh, preview or the um you know kind of way to see who uh, and you know which clubs are getting uh, discovery claims on players then of course this would be a lot easier but right now there's nothing on that and so it, it really is uh is it via santi is Arzamendia? no is one it really Rose? knows is it both uh there's this other um you know kind of uh article that's been bandied about from ultima aura that's uh doesn't have an author doesn't have any sourcing but is saying that both are coming I would be less inclined to believe that one, but uh, essentially, so far, it's Arzamendia is coming to Atlanta United. Interesting, interesting times. Who knows?
0: This is, this is, I think, this is going to be the transfer saga of the 2020 preseason, Same I think. Point. We've had Barco and PT, and now we have this one. Who's coming, who's not? Hell, at this point, if neither one of them rocked up, it wouldn't shock me, but that would be depressing. I mean, I think dream scenarios, you do get both of them because I think both of them- They're felt, both their needs. Yeah, both yeah. are needs. I mean, you need a left back and you need someone to really step in and step in from midfield. And Emerson Hyndman is not the same player Darlington Nagby is. Eric Rometty is not the same player Darlington Nagby is. And I don't think together, that's necessarily the combination you need to be successful in midfield. Both of them have their qualities, but I think together you're still missing something right. that Avila Santi would add because- if you play the two of them together, you're still relying on Jeff Laurinowitz to be your holding midfielder, but as of right now, Atlanta United has three center backs, so you're probably counting on him to play center back, and he isn't exactly a young man anymore, so you need to work about replacing him anyway. So central midfield is a big, glaring issue that Atlanta United has to address. That being said, so is the left back slot. And I think a lot of people have high expectations for George Bello. but I will continue to remind people that he is 17 years old. And a lot of times people we'll 18, compare- yeah. Well, we'll be 18 they compare him to an Alphonso Davies. And it's like, they're two different players. That's unfair to George Bello. Mm -hmm. And with respect to Alphonso Davies, he was performing at a level far and above what George Bello has so far. And yes, George Bello had his injuries, but Alphonso Davies was already playing at that level at that age. He is an incredible talent. And George Bello may well go on to be an incredible Mm -hmm. talent, but Atlanta had a knee depth at left back. And if you have a guy that comes in at 23, yes. Will it possibly stump Bello's career? potentially, but also if Bello is good enough, Great clubs have great depth, and you challenge yourself every day in training. And going up against someone who's better that pushes him, and if Bello's good enough, pushes Arzamendia, and that can be better for both of them. And the more yeah. games you play, mm-hmm. the more cover you get because Bello could get injured or Arzamendia could get injured. Mm-hmm. Having quality.
1: And you depth could play is important. both. Yeah. yeah, you know, one could play as a wing back, or you know, one could play as a center back if they wanted to go that route, or if they one could play as a winger and one could play as a left back. Um, you know, it just depends uh, kind of on the the need, but. Uh, for, in terms of uh, both of those Sarah Porteño players, it really is also, they're both on international duty, and so, really, like, at the end of January, they're still going to be preparing and playing their first game of the tournament, and so... Uh, not in preseason with Atlantean United. Yeah, not in preseason, and that really brings some difficulties, I think, uh, for us getting ready for CCL, so... You know, while these players might kind of have the profile of what we want, and we'll get into Arzumindia and what he offers in a bit, uh, but it really is that we're not going to be ready for CCL, and so it's really right now uh, these guys. Okay, if we need them, you know, bring them in. Maybe have a negotiation with. Uh, paraguay to you know cut short their international duty but i think they're both kind of probably going to be starters and so if they're going to be doing that they're not
0: going through a preseason with united and for me this this brings about a question that i think has kind of been bubbling for a lot of people and it's what is the front office doing because i think it's a fair question in regards to lgp and we'll touch on him in a little while but as a whole i think this club has had the perception that it's very well run from top to bottom with the front office knowing what it wants and getting things done they talked over and over again going into this preparing for the season they didn't want a, re- a repeat of last year where they were mm-hmm. unprepared a thrown together preseason so they could challenge for champions league if they were going away and you were interested in these guys you were scouting them months ago you were interested in them months ago you know what they weren't doing in december going away on international duty. So if he wanted to get these guys in, why is the business being done now when preseason starts next week? Why wasn't this handled in December when nothing's going on? Why don't you take care of your transfer business early and then you can do what you did with Miles Robinson? Or you can do with what you did with Ezekiel Barco. You're not going on international duty or they're signed to the club. You don't have to worry about it. Unfortunately they're going to be away on international duty but you know they're already there and everything's sorted out. why hasn't this been taken care of before and why does it feel rushed now?
1: yeah it does feel rushed but there is the international window is open now they can get kind of some pre-contract talks and whatnot uh, of course done in December but in terms of probably yeah some of the the hindrances and you know obstacles in the way yeah I mean festive period does get kind of uh, you know, maybe they're on holiday maybe it's uh where they just they uh they just did on ho- I mean that's the thing it's just like what?
0: I just feel just because the transfer window is open I think it's something that people have to understand it transfers are always being negotiated mm-hmm. transfers are being negotiated in Europe right now that mm-hmm. won't happen until the summertime yeah like things happen in advance the best clubs do their business in advance and it seems like right now Atlanta is trying to throw together a roster and kind of rebuilding the roster at the same time last minute and that just I'm going to give the front office the benefit of the doubt because so far, three years in, three major trophies, four if you count the the, the Eastern Conference. So it's not like we're in a position to be like, you know, me as a Manchester United fan, oh, what is the front office doing? But at the same time, they're putting themselves, I feel like, under unnecessary pressure that they haven't done before. And Mm -hmm. if they don't handle things in the right way and the season doesn't start off well or there's issues, the questions I think are going to be directed more towards the front office and I think less towards Frank DeBoer.
1: I would be hesitant to use the rebuild word. I would, uh, you know, I, I think our core is still intact. I agree. So I think maybe the retool is uh, probably a little bit more appropriate at the moment. But, I mean, it, it, we lose a couple more players and then it starts to get where, yeah, rebuild is maybe more appropriate. So, but, um, yeah. In terms of uh, Arzamendia and what he provides. He's good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. In terms of, yeah, he's a pacey guy, great cross, uh, has a good long shot on him. Although, I mean, whether he actually hits the back of the net is a different story. Um, And he's a guy that, yeah, likes to kind of, you know, go to ground and use his pace kind of as kind of the recovery, uh, you know, when he's maybe a little bit too far forward. But I think all in all, he's got a lot of potential. 22 year old, um, you know, can play various positions on the left. Um, Yeah, he's a guy that will give that final ball to Jose Martinez and where he, you know, probably really prefers as well. So if he is really in actuality, the player that's coming from Sarah Portano, I I really like it. I mean, it offers that competition for places for Bello and gives us that depth and yeah, really probably will provide a lot, maybe even more than what we were getting from our left side last season. So I think it's a, you know, a great move if we can make it happen. If it's Matias Sveas-Hunty as well, great. Because I think I, I like, uh, you know, what he provides as well and his profile. Uh, there's some people that are really like stuck on transfer market and, you know, what, the uh, the worth and, you know, uh, what it, the number is on there. And Transfer
0: Mark's a terrible place to go in terms of what the... It says what their value is, but the actual real-world value is completely different. It's... The
1: market determines the market yes. because... Yes. The market determines the value. Yeah, exactly. Because what, you know, a team is willing to pay for a player is, you know, what... The value of it The is, value is, of Just it.
0: like economics. And I think yeah. you, t- you touched on something earlier that, that I think is really important. Both of these players, and I think that's the important thing is whichever one Atlanta United land, preferably both, both are starting caliber players and both improve Atlanta United at whatever position they step into. And I think that's the most important thing is that regardless of what player they end up with, Atlanta United will be improved for signing whichever one that it is. And it addresses a position of need that you won't have to worry about for a few years going forward. So... My fingers are crossed that it's both, I don't think it will be both, but we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and plus, Sarah Portano, Miguel Miron, I love that connection, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, moving on into our center back debacle. So, LGP has been seen in Cholo's training gear, And that's always fun because there's no announcement yet from Atlanta United. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of uh, people that are like, okay, why has it not been announced yet? Uh, There's maybe even some uh, fans that are jumping off the ledge because they're just like, okay, you know, you're doing LGP really bad here without even giving a thank you. I speculated in the Transfer Daily that, you know, it's probably they're waiting for some of that good news to come with this bad news um, and maybe a replacement, you know, uh, kind of signing as well uh, that they want to announce at the same time. I think in terms of PR, it's just it's just a little too late right now. You just gotta announce it because everybody knows it's the worst kept secret. And, I'm pretty sure uh,
0: he's even like training with Jolos and he might even play this weekend yeah. from some of the reports that have been out there. So exactly. it's like, it's done. He's a Jolos player. <laughs> he no longer plays for Atlanta United. We all know this. Just say it. Like, does the club think that it's going to lose, like, negotiating power? Like, the clubs that we're negotiating with, for if we are, for a center back, no LGP no longer, like, they know he doesn't play for us anymore. So just say it's done. Just just stop. At this point, it's kind of like... Let's peel the it, bandaid off. It, it, dude, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> just, it's just kind of silly. It, you look kind of like Bush League with this at the point in time because, yeah, if someone's gone, they're gone. If they're in the training gear and they're training, they're gone.
1: It usually is, but there are instances where, you know, players have been training with another team and then a deal falls through and then they have to come back. It's awkward. It'd be extremely awkward in this case if uh, LGB returned as a five-tripe. I mean, I think a lot of people would welcome it, but it would still just be like PR-wise. I feel like it'd be worse, so yeah, it's time to announce it definitely. But uh, so moving on from that to a center back rumor that unfortunately we were uh kind of rebuffed in a sense. Uh, so according to the athletic, uh, yeah, we inquired about the possibility of signing uh Nekoxa center back Ventura Alvarado, and yeah, I mean, he's uh, I believe a dual international with uh, you know, United States and Mexico. But, uh, I mean, in terms of the type of player, uh, yeah, he... Well, you know, he pretty much said that he didn't want to come. In terms of that type of player, maybe we kind of missed it and dodged a bullet there that we didn't really, you know, we didn't really probably need a player like him, I think, in general. But, um, you know, he's uh, Alvarado... I don't know. He just maybe doesn't quite, uh, in terms of age, profile as a player, quite really fit what we want to do. But then we go after his center back partner at Nacoxa. Very interesting indeed. And apparently he is coming to Atlanta United and that is Fernando Mesa, a 29 year old. And um, yeah, very, very interesting. But yeah, I think he provides some, a little bit more of what LGP uh, did, but it just is a little older. Than...
0: He's a little bit older. He's good on the ball. Um, he's not very tall. Yeah, he's five nine. That's kind of concerning because a lot of MLS teams just resort to pumping into the box and pray. And if you have a guy like him and you also have, you know, an Arzamindia who isn't great in the air, your left side's not going to be yeah, great. 5'9", essentially. That's you know, that not side, ideal no. if you're being like, hey, Miles Robinson, every ball that comes in the air, you better win it because <laughs> everyone else isn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy that also is pretty aggressive defensively as well, pretty tenacious. Kind of like LGP. Kind of like LGP. He's got five yellow cards in 15 games in the Apertura, so that's also, I mean, that's... Not, not a good ratio. It's very much say. LGP territory. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, he probably is just a little bit of an older and... Shorter, slightly, yeah, LGP. shorter, but slightly faster LGP. It can dribble a little bit more uh, than LGP you know, possibly, perhaps. But, um, you know, I think if he is the guy to come, uh, he will bring at least the experience to LA United in that back line because, yeah, with only pretty much a... 22 year old miles robinson and a 17 year old george campbell um it's a little bit light in the experience department for sure but um, yeah i think uh if it was i wouldn't think that it's the the worst signing but I think still we can probably find a little bit better, but if it is. I mean, I think the well. question
0: is is if you sign him, do you still go and get another center back? Mm-hmm. To which I'd say, yeah, still yes. Yeah, You've I agree. You've lost 3, you need to replace at least 2 mm-hmm. of them, especially considering like you said George Campbell, he's never played. So, mm-hmm. you need to have at least two experienced center backs in addition to Miles Robinson and him and Franco Escobar if he's playing as a center back. Mm-hmm. So, even if you get him, you still need another one.
1: Right. And also, yeah, he's an Argentine, that's fine. Uh, you know, interaction. Actual slots aren't really an issue but it's also uh, yeah i mean if uh it's a 29 year old there's no really sell-on you know potential for him so is it really the type of move that we really normally go for it makes you start to question a little bit more of uh you know what's going on in the front office but you know we'll uh, we won't beat that horse to death but uh, so well i mean <laughs> with the next bit of news. Maybe it might with some of you fans. Uh, So Justin Miram, he said his goodbyes to Atlanta United fans. He said, quote, Atlanta, thank you. A shorter ride than expected or wanted, but blessed to be part of history with Atlanta United and two trophy emojis. Found myself loving the game again and you helped in so many ways. To the 17s, gonna miss y'all. Heart emoji. Thanks for having my back punching uh, emoji and red and black emoji. I mean, just what a guy. I mean, such class where, uh, I mean, once he came in, the shade that he threw to Orlando.
0: Immediately I mean, endeared him to Atlanta fans. Exactly.
1: Saying that he wanted to score against them and also celebrate, I mean, that's just like. I wish he would have. That's the only regret I for know. him. God.
0: But he, I mean, break. he's he had an important hand in Atlanta winning two trophies, and he scored an absolute banger earlier in the season as well. Good. So I think, yeah, it was a short time, but it was a good time. And I, I understand maybe why the club didn't bring him back. I think that it depends a lot on the system that the team decides to go with. If you're going to play with wingbacks, yes, he did play wingback, but he's not naturally a wingback. Um... Still, you know, he's a guy that I, I wouldn't have mind seeing, depending on what the money situation was. Mm-hmm. But I hope wherever he goes, he lands on his feet, gets a good payday, and, and does well for the rest of his career. And, you know, really funny guy. Yeah. You know, I was lucky to be in the room when um, Kelly Francis interviewed him for a film he made about the U.S. Open Cup. And he just has this dry, quick wit sense of humor and gave us all a hard time about, yeah, the last time I was here, you know, I knocked you guys out of the... Out of the playoffs yeah. and everything, and I was like, wow, man, just gonna stick it right in off the get go. But he was <laughs> to, a good
1: guy So a bunch of LA United fans, in that respect, as well, Jeez. But, um, <laughs> yeah, also, I mean, there's uh, I we wrongfully omitted him in the top five goals for LA United in 2019. He probably deserved somewhere between, yeah, that was definitely number two and number three, uh, for that just finessed Glasso. Oh I mean, man. When so, you hit it, it
0: was just like, wait, what? And it was like, oh, yeah. damn, that went in. <laughs> exactly. Okay.
1: That, that curly, oh my God, yeah, so good. But anyway, so, uh, you know, just it's a bittersweet goodbye to Justin Miriam, but uh, I think he is a five-strike forever indeed. So uh, moving on from that, uh, there, according to Calcio Mercato, uh, there is a 30 million euro price tag slapped onto Ezekiel Barco, uh, and that's amidst the interest from... Manchester in United, no. Arsenal, Roma, Inter Milan, Sporting CP. Uh, and I think Flamengo was also even like mentioned recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, there seems to be some interest in terms of if people are biting at the cost, probably not yet uh, because I think the inflated cost is for right now because of the uh, kind of sell-on clause that we owe to an independiente. So if it is the summer, it's probably going to be a little bit less. Uh, And especially because, yeah, I mean, in terms of raw numbers, he hasn't really produced that in MLS, but in terms of balling out with Argentina, he has and so uh, I think a lot of people see the potential but is it too high of a uh, price tag right now for him? I mean
0: I think 30 million is fine I have, actually I'm pretty sure I've said that multiple times is 30 million as the number um, that I've put out there as well so when I saw this it didn't shock me I think that some people were questioning is he worth that much I think come the seasons in I think he's absolutely going to be worth that I have a lot of faith that Ezekiel Marco is really going to take a big step forward this year he's incredibly technically gifted he does have his issues but he's going to continue to grow I think if he does well at the Olympics I think he sets himself up. If he stays through the summer, of course, I mean, say Atlanta does manage to get everything together and he, say, balls out in the Champions League and Atlanta has a great start to the season and he already has like 10 goals and a handful of assists as well, then maybe he moves in the summer. But $30 million is something that I see, especially for some of the clubs that have been mentioned, is understandable. Um, I can see it going a little bit less, but I think between twenty-five and thirty is where you're looking at. And I think mm-hmm. that you also have an age, and a pure technical ability is above that of a Miguel Almirón. Right. Um, even though people might struggle to believe that, but I think the one thing I can say with absolute positive certainty is he will never play for Manchester United. So don't worry about that link. <laughs>
1: um, maybe. I mean, no. Nope. You, know, you never nope. know. No. Nope. Things. No. Nope. Have happened. No. Nope. But, uh... <laughs> nope. um, Manchester
0: United is a joke club run by clowns. They will not (laughs) sign Ezekiel Barco.
1: I mean, especially if he's the only move that is done in the window, it would not appease their fans, so... Uh, no,
0: there's so many more things that yeah, I'd need for Barco, but I could talk on that for hours, and don't get me started. I've already been complaining today. We got slapped 3-1 by City. It should have been five. It could have been worse. Raheem Sterling apparently can't score against us. Phil Jones is terrible. I don't know why he still plays with the club. I hate everything. He's a,
1: he's a ghost of himself. Uh... He is
0: a ghost of a person. I don't yeah. know how he spent 10 years there, but he has... Let's just move on before I cry.
1: (laughs) Anyway, all right. So uh, it seems like the CBA uh, has been at least talked about between MLSPA and MLS and the owners. Uh, So, yeah, in terms of an update, MLSPA, their Twitter, they tweeted something out. They're uh, pretty much said, in quote, players have a good understanding of what can drive the league forward. And, um, yeah, so, you know, they're trying to really put that out there, like, yes, we do know. Um, and in terms of, uh, you know, kind of a full-on update, Mickey Turner, or at Turner-esque uh, on Twitter, he pretty much outlined what was kind of pretty much talked about on, um, you know, via a serious XM between Joe Tolson and Gr- uh, Glenn Crooks. And so, uh, to sum it up, basically, there has been... Uh, Some of the, especially what they're really interested in um, is the charter flights. Um, A little bit of the compensation as well uh, as the kind of tier one things that they're really, really worried about. Um, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, in terms of the, the hot button things, those are pretty much... Uh, what they're really focused on. But they are... Like
0: a, uh, uh, yeah, so free agency is also in there because right yeah. now MLS free agency and player movement is incredibly restricted, <laughs> convoluted, and stupid if we're being honest. Yeah. And a desire to get rid of allocation money in conjunction with raising the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mentioned multiple times that fans don't like allocation money, owners and general managers don't like allocation money, players don't like allocation money, no one really understands allocation money, let's just get rid of allocation money. And I think that would be okay with pretty much everyone because it's confusing gam-tam and what you can and can't use it for. Mm-hmm. I think people would prefer a simplified salary cap. And I think the big thing in terms of putting all that together is, I think the big argument is that all these measures were put in place earlier in the league to help teams kind of construct the roster and have the league have a hand in them constructing the roster. And at this point now, they want the teams to be more responsible for constructing the roster and for the league to take a step back and go, okay, we're in a good place. It's now on you guys to put your team together. We're going to take a hands-off approach and just run the league. You run your team. So I think everyone would be okay with that, especially if you have a good team and a good owner that wants to invest and wants to win. If you're, say, a Colorado Rapids, I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: <laughs> or uh, maybe at one point, uh, New England Revolution, but or yeah. Or maybe that
0: team in Florida, not yeah. the new one.
1: But the uh, the biggest question also is that is there going to be a work stoppage and uh, the MLSPA they've been preparing apparently for two years in case there is one and in case they have to uh, pretty much say and pull out of the CBA negotiations uh, if they're not getting get what they want but I think for all parties in, involved it really is they need to get this done as quickly as possible because yeah, there's not only LA United that's uh, contingent on a lot of things with the CBA, there's a lot of other teams, pretty much every team would be, I think, uh, very happy to see this uh, pretty much done. Uh, I think it also mentioned that uh, it could be around $20 million for the league as a whole to have the charter flights. That's also very interesting, I think. Dropping the bucket in terms of, they just took uh, a three hundred and
0: twenty-five million dollar expansion fee. Yeah. I think they can afford it. I
1: think, uh, yeah, twenty million per year. Okay, you know, just the, your, your next uh, TV deal. It's less than deal. a million per team. Exactly, you know, your next TV deal. Sign a sign a, a much better TV deal. You or, have more TV than twenty deal.
0: teams. It's less than a million a team. I think yeah. the owners can afford it. I think, and so I think it kind of raises an interesting question, though. Before, I mean, we we, we can talk about it more. Come to the. Close of the CBA expiring, but I saw a tweet about it. I think it was Joe Joe Patrick who talked about it. I was like, Who does a, a workshop does it benefit P- any side? And I think it kind of was talking about between him and some of the comments is that it really benefits nobody because the players, the ones that are good enough, they can eventually, if they had to, go somewhere else if they can, and they'll get paid. You know. Worst case scenario: Joseph Martinez can get paid somewhere. There's someone that would want him; to, that they would want him to play for them, and he'd be okay. Right. But the owners that have invested all these millions—you know, Arthur Blank's invested 100, uh, over 100 million dollars into this team. Why would he want there to be a work stoppage? For the league, you could do yourself some irreparable damage in terms of fans and your perception from the outside and from the inside of the country. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't suit anyone for there to be a work stoppage. And I think what makes it so complicated, it's not just players versus owners. It's players versus owners, owners versus owners, owners versus league. There's a whole lot of people that aren't seeing eye to eye but they all have something to lose, I think, which makes it very interesting. It's not like the NFL where the owners are just like, we don't care, we control everything, we're all billionaires, it does not matter, we know you have to come to us for money, because there's nowhere else to go. Right. It's not like that in MLS or in soccer, so.
1: No, it is true, and then uh, all the the players have been involved, apparently, in the negotiations as well, and so with that, uh, you have to think, yeah, you know, okay, the higher tier, sure, maybe don't have to worry as hard, but, the lower tier definitely have a ton to lose because yeah this may really only be their only livelihood in terms of uh where they can play so i mean are you gonna really displace 700 players and place them around uh in different teams around the world yeah i don't think so so um you know it's they need to get done but uh anyway so Uh, Moving on from that, goalkeeper coach Aaron Hyde has left Atlanta United to take the same position at the U.S. Men's National Team, and uh, yeah, he's a guy that I think we all remember, at least most people that at least maybe watch the Fox Sports broadcast. He would, yeah, he would uh, give pretty almost scathing kind of uh, assessments of the team sometimes, but uh, always was honest about uh, how the team was playing, and I think um, you know, in terms of the the team. You know, you want people that will speak up, will challenge the coach as well at times. But maybe he was maybe a little bit too combative, at least in that uh, initial, um, you know, incident on the sidelines against Montreal Impact. Uh, Apparently it was that uh, he kind of, uh, because he was talking with Florentine Pagua, that it prevented uh, Pagua from coming into the, the game. And then Montreal Impact scored against LA United. And so, yeah, the, there was a spat between Frank DeBoer and Aaron Hyde, according to The Athletic, and he was banned from the bench from that game on. And so it is definitely, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe warranted, but also, yeah, he's a guy that uh, apparently is very up with the the goalkeeping uh, tactics uh, in the new age. Kind of he and uh, Brad Gouzain apparently are close, and uh, it's a shame to see a guy from the 2017 season go, of course, but... Um, yeah it, it is you know uh, we'll we, you know we'll wait and see who the uh, the replacement is but there is nothing announced yet so but um, yeah moving on from that LA United 2 announced their home opener and it's going to be against the Charleston Battery on March 8th at 5th uh, 3rd Bank Stadium and uh, yeah I think it's a familiar foe. We, it's a person there. It's a club that you know. We'll see them in the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like without a doubt, we'll see them at some point in one of those rounds if they make it through a rep show But um, moving on from that, Miggy has scored another goal for it, Newcastle. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was in uh, now what uh, was a replay because now they had to or
0: because of course they didn't win because it's Newcastle. Yeah, it
1: was uh, yeah one one draw at the end and they had to replay it. But, um, yeah, I mean, he hits bangers, man. That's just, uh, we know that about Miggy. It's, uh, you know, it's not exactly finesse when he's in the box. He's going to launch one. And, uh, you know, it's always, though, great to see Miggy score. And he's finally, I think, he's building on his, uh, you know, his goal tally. And, you know, you you love that, uh, you know, Unless it's against Arsenal or Menu, of course. But <laughs> I don't care
0: at this point, whatever. If he scores against Arsenal, score. I mean, we don't play them again this year, so no. unless we, no, we don't even draw them in the cup. They'd have to win again, and they don't do that. So, no.
1: But anyway, that does it for the news and gets us to our buy or sell segment. And simply, uh, we put it up in the Atlanta United topic, and we say if we buy or sell it, we think of our reasons why. First topic is that the CBA is what's affecting Julian Gressel's contract talks, buy or sell
0: bye. 100%. I mean, I think that even though he has issues with it, I think the club is perfectly justified to stand by the CBA and say, look, We want to pay you more. You deserve to be paid more. We just have other needs that need addressing right now in terms of positions as opposed to you getting re-signed. There are major holes to fill. They have to worry about signing those players first, and they don't know how much they can pay him. So when the CBA comes out, if they're allowed to pay him more, then he'll get his contract. But as of right now, the club can't sign him to a big contract and then have itself back into a corner with other positional needs that need to be addressed first.
1: It's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I buy it completely as well. uh, But... It is, yeah, I mean, it is wearing the fans for sure. There's pretty much a comment every single day on any post that Atlanta United uh, puts out there. Why is Gressel not signed? Sign Gressel, all that. uh, You know, pay the man, all that uh, has been bandied about on social media. And it's fair to a degree, but it is also, yeah, the CBA, it really makes us just such a really annoying transfer window, but oh my God. Anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, we need an experienced center back to go along with the incumbent center halves. by ourselves, By I mean,
0: you need one, if not two. I mean, mm. I think that you can go experienced for one. And if you want to go a bit younger for the other, that's fine. Um, but I think you have to get into and preferably one that is experienced. It's, 26 or older that's been around the block that you can pair with Miles Robinson and you know that they're going to be able to be consistent in their performances. Mm-hmm. That is imperative for Atlanta United this season, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think right now you have, you know, you, the guys who can play center back are four guys. George Campbell, Miles Robinson, Franco Escobar, Jeff Loretowitz. and that's it, really. I mean, in terms of, you know, the, uh, the real experience at that position, two of those guys or three of those guys don't have the... You know, real, real game experience that you really need for all the competitions that we're in. Yeah, we needed bringing. The least. other
0: one is in his mid thirties.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, late thirties, almost now. But yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, mid late. Okay. Anyway. Not prime. Not prime. Yeah, but uh, anyway. So that does it for the buy or sell, and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. First question comes from illogical underscore eleven. With the players available, what formation would you play? <laughs> so, uh...
0: um, the problem is, is that regardless of what formation you want to play, you are mighty short at center back. And if you're playing with a back three, I think Jonathan Renewitz has to play in a back three right now because you're not starting George Campbell. And if you play in a back two you're playing either Jeff Lernewitz or Franco Escobar who's not comfortable as a center back in a back four so honestly not dodging the question I don't know right now because <laughs> we don't have enough people for me to have an idea what we should or shouldn't play because I'm not comfortable with our center back depth so yeah. I'm not sure either way
1: yeah I think with the players that we have currently it's I think uh, it's a three five2. Um, so I'll just humor this question. Um, of course you have Guzan between the six. Uh, Larry has to play one of the center backs. Yes. Robinson Escobar. And then I think you have Bello as the, the best wing back we have. Uh, Russell, so assuming he plays exactly in terms of on the right side, Remetti, Heineman, those
0: are your only two central <laughs> midfielders.
1: Yeah. Barco PT as your attacking midfielders and Joseph up top. And so three, five, two essentially is, uh, I think the way we would be playing but, uh, you know, that's, I don't know. That's a little bit short in depth, a little bit short in what you want. Did you really Ideally, put it out
0: that way? It's just like, we are not very deep right now no, that's, at really yeah, important places.
1: Pretty shallow beyond that as well. I mean, Tito could play somewhere oh, in that setup. Front but it's, area. But it's, you know, oh my God. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal at all. Um, yeah, so next question comes from Olim 17 or Tim Timalim, yeah, Timolim 1776 I guess he's uh, you know very patriotic. But uh, do you trust the front office to keep us competitive for trophies?
0: I think we've touched a little bit on this. Um, I'm trusting them now. That trust is very much to be determined by what happens in the next four to six weeks before the season gets going. And depending on what team rocks up for that first leg of the Champions League, assuming we play it because the CBA hasn't screwed us, um, I'll let you know in six weeks time because if we're trying to put together a team like we just tried to do and it's still lacking, I'm going to have a big problem with the front office because (laughs) that is not putting Atlanta United in a position to succeed this season.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's uh, gonna be very tough if uh, you know we're not bringing in the te- type of caliber talent that we expect. That's right? important. Yeah, it's not just yeah. bodies,
0: but yeah. capable and caliber of talent we need.
1: Exactly. And so that's really the biggest thing. But uh, yeah, next question comes from Word Jerk. Shaping the squad in De image is starting to feel like a rebuild. Are you concerned?
0: Um, it's it's again. It kind of builds off that last question. It's if you're. It's not a rebuild yet, like you said earlier. Yeah,
1: I think it's more of a retool at the moment because our core is still intact. We you've still lost
0: have two big players, players in LGP and Nagby, mm-hmm. and you you know that they're both gone. Let's be realistic. Nagby's already gone. And LGP is definitely gone. Yep. Um. So you have two big holes to fill, in addition to some other positions of need that really need to be adjusted. But I think that. Boer isn't necessarily the person that has to have the questions asked of him because as the manager it's not his job to sign the players when he was signed as the manager he gave them a plan and said this is the type of football i want to play and yes he changed halfway through the season last year and he had to learn and be humble and take a different approach but he has an idea of what he wants to play and he knows what he needs in terms of players and he takes those players to the front office and then you have your technical director Carlos Bocanegra it's his job to find those players it's not Frank DeBoer's job. He tells them what he wants, and then they'll tell him, these are the players we can get you, these are the players we can't get you. He'll have backups, most managers have backups for the players that they want. That's then taken to the front office. So for me, I think it's less on DeBoer right now because he knows what he wants to do, but you can't make lemons if you're given rotten apples, and he needs the fruit to make the, the juice right now. And if he's not given that, then it's not really on him, is it?
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, exactly. Like I was saying, rebuild—too maybe harsh of a word at the moment, but uh, yeah, it is for Carlos uh, Bognar and his team to really suss out and get the players in. Uh, but in terms of shaping the uh, you know the squad into De Boer's image, uh, I don't even think that it's really in that image quite yet, and there still needs to be a lot of players in. Yes, again, yeah, he will have the say. He will have the say of, like, who he would prefer. But at the end of the day, yeah, we got to bring in uh, equivalent or better talent. Just period. So, um, next question comes from Luke Say. How will we line up if we sign a CB? The two guys from Cerro Porteño and re-sign So, kind of uh, also to build on the other one, I think uh, if we sign a CB, they would probably play on the left side because Miles Robinson probably not... As a depth on his left. And so, he's
0: your sweeper, basically, in a way, yeah. anyway.
1: So. Yeah, and so if it were, you know, a uh, you know, if he's the sweeper or if he's on the right side, you needed that left side uh, center back. Um, the two guys from Sarah Portano, I think, obviously, would probably be the starters at midfield. I as, think uh, Arzamedia
0: starts at left back. Mm-hmm. I think Villasanti starts every game because you only have two midfielders in there unless you're playing a bit defensive, in which mm-hmm. case a Pitti or a Barco would not be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to be a bit more compact in the midfield, then I think you'd have Rometty, Hindman, and Villasanti all in the, in the midfield, and I think if you're going to go with a midfield three, that's actually probably one of the best in terms of MLS and what you get from the individual players, the Hindman being a bit more creative, the work rate of a of a Eric Remedi and then the all-around dynamism you get from a Villasanti. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're playing with two though, if you're trying if you're playing at home and trying to go out and get something done, I think it's Hein it'd be Heinemann and Villasanti if you're trying to be a bit more defensive and breaking up play. I think Villasanti and Remedi can really break up play and really give teams a hard time in the middle of the park. Gressel obviously is going to start at right wing back. Then it just comes to you know who's up top, and it's Pity Joseph and and, mm. and Barco.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Gressel has said that he could uh, it feels like he could play in center mid, but I I, I kind of have my doubts in terms of uh, he is one of the best it. wing backs in the league. Exactly, play that's, there. Yeah, and but you know if we don't play with wing backs, then it becomes a whole different type of thing, and uh, you know it really is uh, contingent on the type of players that are brought in. Uh, And I think Mo Adams has a bigger part to play as well because they put a kind of uh, big kind of emphasis on him in terms of uh, keeping him for the draft. And so it is, uh, I think, you know, might be that guy that sits and uh, really is our holding midfielder at times if we're really trying to be more defensive. But um, yeah, so next question and last question comes from Keaton Thomas, 61. Who do you think would be a better fit for us, Santi or Arzamendia?
0: Um, I think kind of, we touched earlier, I think both address important needs. Um, I think for me personally, I prefer uh, Um I think he addresses a more important and more desperate need for Atlantean added in terms of the whole in central midfield, not just from Donington Nagby, but from Jeff Lorenowitz as well. You need someone that can play that position and allow Larry to either be a sub or play at the back. So for me, I think it'd be Vlasanti because he, on the whole, I think offers you more and you do have George Bello. You need depth there, but I think you need it more in the middle of the park right now. Yeah,
1: um, I think yeah, I really like Viasanti, uh, and I love what he can provide in his profile. I think Arzamendia is maybe a little bit more needed at the moment because of the the competitions that we're in. We need that type of caliber guy who's experienced. Uh, he's capped by Paraguay. He's got four um, you know caps for them and. Uh, in terms of what he can bring going forward, we really like we were missing a lot of that for our worst spells of last season. and so you know having a guy that's 22 years old doesn't need a betting in period. you kind of ha- it's a known quantity as uh, as such and has the potential to grow. Uh, George Bello also will play a part and so it's not like he's gonna be excluded if he uh, if you know Arzamendia comes in. so I think yeah Arzamendia definitely I think right now. Um, I
0: mean, that's a good point because when you think about it, if you have Julian Gressel on the right, Narzamin in the left whipping and crosses to Joseph Martinez, that's a very tasty idea right there. That's that's pretty delectable. That sounds like goals and more goals for Joseph Martinez.
1: Right, and because, Barco and PT in the middle as well. And it makes you
0: hard to defend against because you have the technical players in the middle, which is where PT and Barco like to thrive and you have... You know, technical and, and very good delivery coming from the outside of both sides. Then it's just like, well, where do you defend and where do you put your numbers? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And uh, especially, yeah, in one sense, where if uh, you are going forward, and sometimes you might uh, want to kind of overload a side. I think you can see Arzamendia going to the byline a lot mm. more, and then Gressel, you know, providing that service from deep at times too. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, it gives he, you different options. Exactly. And so it is really, I think, a very dynamic look as well. If we can get players like that. And George Bellow, I think, yeah, he offers something different than what Arzamandia does. He's
0: he's just not there yet. Yeah. Arzamandia is much closer to the finish article than George Bellow is. Yeah. And I think that people really, I mean, it'd be great for George Bellow to be successful and be really good and right now. And he can, and okay. he can mm-hmm. but like you said, 17 going on 18, I think he's two, three seasons away from being the player that fans expect him and want him to be. And he's a young player, he's a young guy. Give him time. Don't just put all this pressure and expect him to be the next Alfonso Davies, which is what's banded around. Like, let him be the George Bellow. Let him develop and become the player that we know he can be. Just doesn't need to be push on him and rush on him right now.
1: Yeah, agreed. But- That does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day.
0: And it's silly season and there's been a lot of talk between the two of us about positions of need, but now we're going to pose that question to you. And guys, we are asking what is the most important position that you think Atlanta United needs to strengthen this window? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think.
1: And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. Channer, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.